It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and each episode I'll be chatting with a guest about romance in movies. Uh, normally this is a romantic comedy podcast, but trying something new um, this summer and kind of branching out uh, this episode, I have with me here Kaylee Hearn. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you so, so much for coming on. Very excited to chat with you. So this episode, we are going to be talking about um, like romance and love stories in superhero movies. Kaylee and I both watched um, Superman, the movie, uh, with Christopher Reeves and Margot Kidder, uh, directed by Richard Donner. Uh, kind of a classic superhero movie. I think one of the, I think if not the first, then definitely like the prototype for modern superhero movies. And I felt like one that... Um, is uh, I think very iconic in his romance. It definitely does a lot of the superhero romance tropes that we all know now. Wes, I wanted to get your opinion on you know the sort of like romantic angles in these like comic book movies. Like some of them are more successful than others, but like in is this something that you like look out for and when you watch like superhero movies something that you kind of are like irritated by because it seems unnecessary like what's your in general take on this I think romance in superhero films is really fascinating like um, I'm a longtime comics fan I actually yeah. uh, co-wrote with a friend a uh, long-running column about superhero weddings in comics. Um, so it's it's very fascinating. It's such an interesting um, sort of genre mix because you know superhero stories are often sci-fi stories or action adventure stories. So it's often very interesting to see how uh, romance um, you know is involved because often because superhero movies are typically until very recently male driven. Romance is how uh, female characters are involved in the story. So tell me more about this uh, column you did, you wrote, and which I did not do my research because I um, I knew that you were very much involved. Like I knew that you were like a comics person. I just did not know that I kind of hit the jackpot on guests here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me more about that. Like what are the like um, in general? Like what was the column about? And like what like what are some conclusions that you made from you know the research and the writing on it? Uh, yes, my column was called The Wedding Issue. I co-wrote it with my friend uh, Rebecca Henley as you know, we were both preparing for our own weddings over the last several years. So we kind of like, oh, well, how do superheroes get married? What is that like? Um, because um, marriage in superhero comics is surprisingly controversial, you know, because um, superhero comics um, can be very hesitant to, ch to change and marriage is a big change 
Um, so it was very interesting to see how superhero comics dealt with things like love and romance. And one of the most interesting things about the column was the where is the couple now part. And it was like, uh, he's dead. She's dead. Uh, the devil uh, annulled their marriage. Uh, she turned evil, etc. Yeah. <laughs> so um, some very interesting uh, romances and breakups. Um, but it was a lot of fun to write. It was very interesting. Um, a lot of really bad comic book fashion and wedding dresses. Oh, um, yeah. But very entertaining, very fa- fascinating. Yeah, well, so I don't read comic books. Um, and uh, so it's something that I kind of never really got into as a kid, uh, mostly because like I um, was so much into you know movies and stuff. So I felt like any anything that I kind of absorb about superheroes and comic books came from the movies. So, but like every now and then I would kind of read the like. Um, read like Wikipedia pages or explainers about, especially like you know when you watch a, you know like when I saw uh, like Justice League or like well, like one of the bad ones. So I'm like I have no idea what happened to like go and like do all this research just to like answer some of the questions I had. Like I would read through like these character biographies and especially you know characters that I was just like knew from the jump, like Lois Lane, Mary Jane Watson. Um, uh, I think yeah, those are the two like main superhero girlfriends that I knew of, even without having read the books or just like through pop culture osmosis and just like the like really insane character biographies yeah. and like I mean I I find it interesting that you know they're so like you were saying that the comic books are like hesitant to change because um i I guess it it makes a lot of sense because like once you kind of get into like marriage that it becomes well are are they gonna have kids like are they gonna want to like you know hang up the cape so to say so to speak so yeah it's fascinating is there like a a, um, favorite or least favorite romance that you have from you know writing this column yeah, uh, Jean Grey and Scott Summers was a very interesting, fun wedding. Like, I think that was one of our favorite issues that we read. Um, yeah. I'm also a big fan of Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Uh, they're a very iconic couple. And uh, the last column we did, which was right after I got married, was Superman and Lois Lane. So that was a really special one to read and write about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, watching Superman, the movie... Um, I was really, like, I mean, so interesting. I've seen this movie, like, so many times as a kid. Like, I watched it, like, like, I hadn't seen it in a couple of years, but I bought the, like, new 4K release, um, like, a couple months ago. And, like, that's when I kind of had this idea of doing the, doing a podcast episode on, you know, especially these two, um, because, like, just watching it through the, that, this lens of, like you know, as a, like, romantic movie, it was, like, really, um, really stuck out to me of, like, how much this movie is about their love story, even if they're not, like, they're not, like, officially, like, dating or anything, but just, like, the, like, the, like, flirtiness, the, like, the banter, the, you know, like, the rescuing and all that, it's, it really jumped out to me this time around, and, 
I was th- wondering, like, what's the, like, what's the fantasy in this movie? Right? Is it to be like? Like, if someone's watching this movie, like, do they want to be Superman and they want to be the one that's rescuing? They want to be the the hero. Oh, but, but I was also, like, like, kind of, it's, like, kind of thrilling to be rescued by Superman, right? Like, we're, like, you know, Lois Lane is the human here. Like, she's the one that is the most, like, the audience. And it's kind of exciting to be around someone who's so confident and charismatic and heroic and virtuous and... You know, like, he's sort of the, like, in some ways he's the fantasy object in it. And it's, I was I was trying to, like, trying to articulate, like, it's not that she's the point of view character in the movie, although I think she is in a way, but I also feel like the romance is told through her perspective, through her gaze. And I was, I mean, is that something you agree with? Or am I just, like, projecting my own, like, infatuation <laughs> with Superman? <laughs> no, I definitely think we... You know, as the audience, we can kind of feel her awe in Superman. But what's really great about Margot Kidder's performance as Lois Lane is that when we meet her, she's not someone who's, like, waiting for Superman to come. Yeah. Like, um, you know, this was made in 1978. It was a very cynical time in America's history. And, you know, so Lois Lane isn't standing around thinking, like, oh, I'm really sad about Watergate. I wish, you know, there was some kind of Superman to save us. You know, she's like... She's a hardboiled reporter. She's kicking ass. She, you know, she's the one who kicks the mugger and doesn't wait for, you know, Clark to do something. Yeah. So she's, so we can, so while she, obviously we see her desire for Superman, we also immediately get why Superman loves her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, in, it's so funny. I was thinking about, like, the other variations of Lois Lane. You know, we have Kate Bosworth in... So Superman Returns and Amy Adams in the DC movies that are like I don't know she's still playing Lois Lane but like she's the modern one and um, there's just such a difference in how Lois Lane is like written and performed in this in the original because you're right like she's such a like hard hard reporter like she's you know is very much like takes you know takes no guff from anyone like she is very much in charge of her life. And I, I mean, it's definitely a very 1970s type character, you know, where she's just like, you know, she's, she's like not, like she's like a little, she's like gritty. And I feel like in the other ones, like there's just an element more of like longing than there is in, in Margot Kidder. Like, I think she's very much like in control. And I think that's why like, she's still, I think the like classic Lois Lane. Um, and like, I mean, I definitely think of her, you know, when I think of the character. And, you know, I mean, I, like, like, and I, like, measure, like, the other versions of this love story against, you know, the 78 version. Um, And I can definitely, I definitely find it so fascinating, you know, like, the scene where, um, you know, of course, like, the famous, like, interview scene of how much, like, she's, like, really heavily flirting with him, and, like, it's so yeah. funny. Like, you just, like, don't... There's, like, a playfulness to her that I don't think you... that you see in the other versions of her, and because she's just so, like, in... just, like, in charge of her... in charge of her life, in charge of her career, like, she's, like, very much putting herself out there in a way that I don't think Amy Adams or Kate Bosworth got a chance to do. 
Yeah, she's in her in her own way very open about her sexuality in yeah. a way that a lot of superhero movies now are very sexless. So, you know, rewatching the scene where they're on her patio and she's, you know, like, oh, can you tell what color my panties are? I was like, whoa, all right. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> she, she's going there. Good for her. She, she knows yeah. what she's she's after. Yeah. Oh, my God. I could not I could not imagine any modern uh, like modern character staying in line like that. And I definitely do want to talk about the sexlessness of modern superhero movies because, like, it's something that I think about all the time. Like, um, I happened to watch I, um, Iron Man 2 over the weekend. Just, like, my dad wanted to watch it, so we were watching it. And um, I was just thinking, like, this movie is, like... Um, like, they make kind of leering remarks about Scarlett Johansson and Leslie Bibb and Gwyneth Paltrow, but, like, there's no, like, charge there, you know? Like, even I think, like, I mean, I definitely want to talk about the MCU love stories, I mean, in general, um, but I definitely feel like Pepper Potts and Iron Man are, like, one of the best, like, one of the better couples in the MCU, but there's just no, like, heat there, and I think they have such a, like, dynamic of, like, Oh, we've known each other forever, so like we're right. already like we're already like married without being exactly married. the old married couple. Yeah, exactly. And um, even the, that was even the true in the first Iron Man, and like it works for a movie like Endgame, which like I found to be like one of their best movies in terms of their relationship. Even though there's not a lot of screen time there, but they make good use of it. But like, there's just no like energy there of like you know the kind of energy that. Lois Lane and Superman have in on that balcony scene and there's no like there's no sense like the sense of awe that you know that you were saying that Lois has and I think Superman has it he's in awe of her as well because like he's never really known any human woman before so he doesn't know like I mean technically we're aliens to him right yeah. So, like, you know, he's even like who like what is like what am I looking at like who am I talking to and yeah, and I think there's that, like, heat there. They're, like, floating with each other, like, fitting each other out. And um, I definitely just don't think that, like, modern blockbusters have that level of, like, tension. I think just because, like, I don't know, maybe it's just, like, these movies are pitched too much to children or pitched too much to, like, the four quadrants where they can't really offend anyone by making it by making any kind of like tension or conflict there. Yeah, I think that's all true. And also like that kind of genuine chemistry and sparks, I think are really rare. Like Christopher yeah. Reeve as Superman is such, was such a one in a million find that, you know, you, you really can't replicate it. It's kind of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he is like, again, like going back to the other like actors who played this role, like, I mean, Henry Cavill, God bless him, like, he just, I think he's a great fit for this character, but in the wrong movies, and I felt like he got stifled, you know, and I think the same with Brandon Routh, is like, they just got, like, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about these movies, I shouldn't, like, talk as <laughs> if I'm the authority, but, like, in terms of, like, Justice League and um, Man of Steel and uh, Superman Returns, like, like, what are your thoughts on those in general and also in terms of their love stories, if you could remember them? Oh, God, I 
don't want to think about Superman Returns. <laughs> That's an extremely cursed movie now. Unfortunately. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the Brandon Ruth is is a very charming actor, and I really like Henry Cavill as Superman. But um, they don't again have that kind of magical switch that Christopher Reeve had, where he could go from. Clark Kent to Superman. Like, um, yeah. Henry Cavill's a great Superman, but as Clark Kent, you're still like, oh my goodness, this is a very large man. You know, yeah, <laughs> just wearing yeah. glasses. Whereas um, Christopher Reeve's physicality, he is really able to transform himself into, you know, the kind of nerdy, uh, slouching uh, reporter, the mild-mannered Clark Kent. And, you know, there's that fantastic scene where he's alone in Lois's apartment and he's thinking, oh, am I going to tell her the truth? And we just see his entire body change mm-hmm. from Clark Kent to Superman. And it's such good acting. Like, there were times watching this movie where he was as Clark Kent. And I was like, is he? Is it makeup? Are they doing something? Because he looks totally different. You know, there's that joke yeah. like, oh, people can't tell that Clark Kent is Superman. He just puts on a pair of glasses and they don't recognize him. But Christopher Reeve sells it fantastically in a way that no other actor has been able to match yet. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Because I, I'm like, to me, that's part of the charm of the romance in this movie is how much of like, it's like a weird love triangle, you know? Yeah. When it's like not really, yeah, it's like not a real love triangle. It's the same person, but like, it feels like one. And like, they sell it. So they sell it like a love triangle when it's like, when, um, you know, when Lois is with Clark Kent and she's just, like, going on and on about Superman, you just feel it's, like, you like you feel it, that, like, he's, like, oh, man, like, I want to tell her, but, like, I can't tell her, but... And then, like, um, and even, like, Margot Kidder plays it so well because, like, her demeanor changes completely with, between the two of them. And it's so... Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very charming, but, you know, in terms of this sort of, like, mis- like hidden like secret identity thing like um what are your thoughts on that is like a sense of like romantic tension in the movie like do you think it's like kind of because like I've, i was reading some article and uh, doing my research on this of someone saying it's like kind of like a little manipulative that he won't tell her and i was thinking well that's is not just like part of the dna of a like secret identity is that like no one can know <laughs> but like what are your thoughts on on this dynamic um, I think the secret identity is very much a trope of its time. Like a lot of modern superhero movies, like famously the very end of Iron Man is him saying, I am Iron Man. So a lot of superhero stories now kind of have disposed of it, I think also kind of due to the manipulative angle. Um, like for example, Superman 2, you know, get into the whole amnesia kiss thing and which I think does push it over to the edge of being like kind of creepy and unintentionally yeah. like gross. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, one thing I really liked about Man of Steel was that it just doesn't bother with it. Like, Lois Lane knows Clark Kent is Superman, and they just go with it from there. So I think that was a smart modernization of the story. Um, but in Superman, the original movie, I think they walk that line very well, where you kind of, where you buy it. You know, it's, it's, it's like a, yeah. almost like an episode of I Love Lucy. It's, like, so innocent. Right. You know, like, Superman flies off, and then the next second, Clark is knocking on her door. You know, you're just like, oh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was gonna, yeah, it definitely has that, like, um, that, like, kind of sitcom-y thing, like, of, like, yeah, of, you know, when he flies off and then shows up. But I, I also think that, like, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, we don't really have secret identities anymore. I just, like, kind of put that together. I think 
the like Spider-Man movies were the last ones that really did that. Um, and even like in Spider-Man Far From Home, you know, MJ, I guess, which is like Mary Jane, I guess, she like figures it out and on her own, like he doesn't tell her, she just kind of puts it together because she's like a smart person. Right. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's very, um, and even, even Anne May in, in like the new Spider-Man movies, like she, you know, finds out and there's no angst over that. So I think that like it's interesting because um, I part of me kind of likes the secret identity part just because of there's that like push and pull of like you know romance and responsibility and you know having to there's that like conflict there you know but I think and um, yeah it definitely can be a little manipulative um, if it goes on for too long so I haven't seen any of the uh, sequels like um, of the like Christopher Reeve movies i've i don't think i've seen any of those sequels um so i don't know what happens with lois lane but what is this amnesia kiss things it sounds horrifying oh my goodness um gosh i haven't rewatched it super recently so i hope i don't get the details wrong but like um in superman 2 uh he does take her to his fortress of solitude and reveals the truth and uh they spend the night together but you know lots of plot happens and then you know at the very end it's like no it's too dangerous so superman has it has an amnesia kiss power i you know that raises a lot of questions of like how he knew he could do that and you know i'm like waving my hands in front of the mic which no one can see but i'm like ah <laughs> yeah, so yeah and that you know let leads to a plot point in superman returns which was originally intended to be like a direct sequel to Superman 2 and ignore the two later bad sequels, their night together results in Lois Lane having Superman's son. Uh, but, okay. but like, she doesn't really remember them being together. So it adds like another very strange, unfortunate wrinkle where Superman is also a deadbeat dad and it's not great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about this because I did not rewatch Superman Returns, uh, for many reasons, which listeners can Google. Um, I don't want to repeat that, but um, I did read up about it, and I remember reading something that really just, like, made my stomach turn, which is, like, the filmmakers included this sort of extended romantic subplot in Superman Returns because they wanted specifically to appeal to a female audience of, like... um, like, I guess they just wanted to make it, like, I don't know, Titanic, but, you know. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, the comic book, right? Yeah. Um, which I found to be so insulting because, like, um, I just don't know of any, like, it's insulting for many reasons. One is that, like, the fact that, like, you know, to bring in women, they want to add in more romance, which is, like, so 1950s or whatever like it's such a retrograde idea that like only like women only want want to watch it because there's a love story in it and i'm like hello i watch these movies for the love story anyway so like yeah it's not even just a woman thing it's just a taste thing and that kind of you know definitely sells lois lane's character short because lois lane herself like completely independent of her romance with superman is a very iconic character. She has yeah. lots of female fans. Um, she's had her own solo comic book. She has one right now, I believe, written by Greg Rucka, who's a great writer. So, like, Lois Lane herself is, like, a really independent, you know, 
strong character who's had a lot of great stories. So just being like, oh, it's romance. Oh, she had Superman's kid. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, and Kate Bosworth, I'm sorry, was just absolutely not Margot Kidder. No, she's not. And like, I mean, I remember when like that movie was being like, um, was be when they were making the, when they were doing the casting. I remember like I don't know if she was actually in the running or if it was just like a fan cast, but I feel like Rachel McAdams was kind of thrown in there, and I was like, she's a great, she'd be a great Lois thing because she has that like you know that spark to her that Margaret Kiddo has, and then Amy Adams eventually has. Um, but um, what what makes me so annoyed about that subplot because I've read the Wikipedia entry of the movie because I didn't want to watch it but I was curious and like the whole like deadbeat dad thing like that's just like it just like seems very weird to me because like if they really want to um like they want to like bring out the like like the fantasy of this to like make it you know appealing to romance fans I just like don't think of that as like an appealing romantic subplot of like Lois Lane dealing with a you know a deadbeat dad, and like pining for Superman but like with someone else and all you know whatever it just doesn't seem yeah. like appealing to me. I'm like like if you go back to even like if you even in like Man of Steel, like it's not a great romance subplot if I recall correctly, but definitely like gets that di- that dynamic much more correct than the 2006 movie does. And like I've, I mean, like that's, I mean, like that's why I was thinking about like the Christopher Reeve movie because it's like this movie gets like why this romance is so thrilling because it's like you know it's that whole like you know you've got me who's got you thing like you kind of want that like that playfulness there you want that like you know you want to be rescued you want to rescue you know like you want that kind of fantasy and I just don't think Superman Returns has it. Um, in any way, which is disappointing because I remember being very excited about you know a new Lois Lane and a new like Superman and like see their dynamic. But yeah, the the love story in that movie just made no sense to me. And rereading about it and reading that they were specifically kind of shoehorned this subplot just like, appeal to women. Just another reason why that movie makes my blood boil. <laughs> yeah, it's, again, extremely cursed movie. Well, uh, let's start with your vital statistics. Are you married? Uh, no. No, not. Do you have a girlfriend? Uh, no, I don't. But, uh, if I did, Miss Lane, you'd be the first to know about it. Um, how old are you? Over 21. Oh, I get it. You don't want anyone to know how old. Okay. And how big are you? How tall are you? Uh, about 6'4". Six, 6'4". Four. Six, four. And uh, how much do you weigh? Mm, around 2, 225. 2, 225? Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, I assume then that the, the rest of your bodily functions are normal? Sorry, I beg your pardon? Well, putting it delicately... Mm-hmm. Do you eat? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, I do. When I'm hungry. You do? Mm-hmm. Of course you do. <laughs> well, well then, uh, is it true 
that uh, you can see through anything. Uh, yes, it can. Oh, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And that you're um, totally impervious to pain. Well, so far. What color underwear am I wearing? Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I embarrassed you, didn't I? Oh, no. I did. No, 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 not at all, Miss Lane. It's just that this platter must be made of lead. Uh, yes, it is, so? Oh, you see, I, uh, I sort of have a problem seeing through lead. Oh, that's interesting. Problem seeing through lead. Hmm. Uh, do you have a first name? What do you mean, like, uh, Ralph or something? No, no, I mean, like, uh... Pink. Huh? Pink. Um, sorry, Miss Lane. I didn't mean to embarrass you. Oh, <laughs> you didn't embarrass me. Um, uh, what's your background? Uh, where do you hail from? Well, it's, uh, kind of hard to explain, actually. See, I'm from, um, well, pretty far away. Another galaxy, as a matter of fact. I come from a planet called Krypton. Huh? Krypton. Oh, Krypton! With a C-R-I? Uh, no. No, actually, actually, it's Krypton with a K-R-Y, P-T, Moen. K-R-Y. Do you like pink? I like pink very much, Lois. Why are you? I'm sorry? I mean, uh, why are you here? There must be a reason for you to be here. Yes, I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. <laughs> You're going to end up fighting every elected official in this country. I'm sure you don't really mean that, Lois. I don't believe this. Lois? Hmm? I never lie. So I, I wanted to switch gears a little um, and talk about the MCU a little bit more. And we talked a little about, like, Pepper Potts and Iron Man and, you know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man and uh, Zendaya's MJ. Now, like... Um, I think like the major like the the major romance I think in the MCU is Captain Rogers and uh, or Captain America and Peggy Carter. But even then, like it's just like they have one movie together, and then like there's just like you don't really see them as a couple as much. There's a lot of longing, a lot of you know, quiet like the scene in I believe it's in Winter Soldier, you know, and then of course in Civil War when she dies he goes you know there's there's a lot of stuff there but there's just like again like you just don't see a lot of them together so you look like it were like in the like the ending of endgame you know which which ends on um like their reunion like it's very sweet and lovely but it's just like i don't know it's just i don't i don't know if it's just like i don't know why the mcu just can't get these romances right <laughs> Well, I actually really, really like uh, Captain America and Peggy Carter together. Um, part of that is uh, my affection, um, you know, is like a, I'm a big fan of classic movies. And um, Captain America and Peggy's last scene together and the, at the first Captain America movie where he's in the doomed plane talking to her on the phone. That's a, a reference to uh, Howell and Pressburger's a matter, of, a matter of Life and Death, which is uh, an absolutely amazing, beautiful movie. So that kind of got me right in the heart. I'm like, oh, it's just like that movie. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, I, I like the longing aspect of it, the kind of two ships passing in the night aspect where they're so close to being together and then fate intervenes and he wakes up in the future. 
and, you know, is trying to adjust to being the future, but part of him is still back in the past with Peggy. Um, I really like that aspect of it. And, you know, Peggy Carter herself is just like such a fun, powerful character in her own right. Like I can really understand why, you know, she had so many other cameos in Marvel movies and had her own show. Um, so like, I, I really, really liked that relationship and, you know, I, I know it's controversial, but I really loved the last scene in Endgame. I was like, oh, I'm so happy for them. Um, so for me, that worked, um, though there are a lot of other romances in the MCU which do not work at all. So I will say this. Like, I definitely don't disagree with anything you're saying. Like, I, it, it works for me. And definitely, the, yeah, the reference to A Matter of Life and Death is, I think, one of the best things that the MCU has done because, like, it really places that movie in that time period, you know? And it, like... yeah. Just that imagery of like you know the 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 radio controller and you know the plane and stuff. It's all it's so beautiful and I agree. Like I like that there's so much like longing there and I love what you say about two ships passing the night. Like that makes so much sense to me. It's so like lovely and char- and sweet and heartbreaking. I guess I just like wanted some like like I I also feel like the the Sharon Carter stuff in Civil War kind of I don't want to say it tarnishes the Peggy Carter romance, but it just kind of feels like they needed someone for Captain America to kiss and just kind of like threw in Sharon Carter. And so I, it, yeah. it diminishes a little like it's, but I definitely, I mean, I love the ending of Endgame. Like, you know, you can tell me all you want about how it doesn't make any sense in the timeline or whatever. Like, I don't know. I love it. Stuff, but like, it it works and it's like the perfect ending for this movie. Be- like it like I think Endgame is like a great Iron Man and a great Captain America movie. Like you know it's like they're they're the two like unofficial leads of the movie, and so like they both get this these like perfect endings when like um, oh god I was reading some review of this movie and they put it so eloquently, but it's like Iron Man learns to like sacrifice himself after being like kind of the selfish, you know billionaire playboy character who's like you know very much hardened but and then Captain America learns to like be selfish and you know do something for himself and live his happy life and it's like they they kind of like like the way that like Captain America and Iron Man like their arcs kind of like like are mirrors of each other and they kind of like learn the opposite lesson in a way throughout the whole franchise so i love that and i love i love love the ending kiss and end game like that's perfect um so i definitely agree that yeah peggy like peggy carter is i think one of the stronger parts of the mcu and i love agent carter the show i think it's great um and they, they do a really great job of like filling in her half of that love story on that show and in her appearances and Ant-Man, etc. Like, the closest I think the MCU gets to, like, doing, like, a version of a romantic comedy, I think, is, like, Thor, in a way, and Mm -hmm. Spider-Man Homecoming. And I say Thor because, like, Jane... I think, like, Jane has that same, like, in-awe thing that um, Lois Lane has, where she's just, like, so just in awe of this man. it's, It's, like that love story is told from like her perspective in the same way that the Lois Lane 
like Lois Lane is the one that's sort of our point of view character in that romance. But I also think that Thor, the movie, doesn't go far enough in making that like that romance work. I don't know, what do you what do you think about Thor and Jane Foster? Um, Jane Foster is a character with a lot of potential. I like Natalie Portman a lot. And mm-hmm. like you said, like, um, she is kind of like a really interesting point of view character. Um, unfortunately, like her story arc just really gets kneecapped hard in yeah. this in Thor too. So I like don't blame Natalie Portman for uh, checking out. Um, but I'm really excited for Love and Thunder uh, with Jane uh, becoming Thor herself. That's uh directly from the comics that's a really yeah great story and very exciting like i i trust uh taika watiti to really do right by jane this time yeah when they revealed that title i was like oh man this is gonna be like like this is gonna be so amazing i mean love and thunder is a very clear it's a very clear title like what kind of movie they want to make not 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 that we know anything about it but like I mean, to put the word love in the title, I was like, okay, this is going to be like, this will be the vindication for that that love story that definitely got kneecapped for sure. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. Whenever that comes out, who knows? <laughs> I know. These movies will come out. <laughs> this is me like desperately waiting for Wonder Woman 84 and oh, yeah. uh, Wonder Woman well, and Steve Trevor. How does he come back? I need yeah, to know. Yeah. Well, okay, I definitely want to talk about Wonder Woman, but we have to talk about, um, I think, the last MC romance I want to talk about, which is our lovely romance between the Hulk and Black Widow, which no one really oh. saw. Okay, oh, I will oh. say that if you watch the first Avengers movie, right? And with mm-hmm. this in mind that they are like, um, they might become an item in Age of Ultron, like, you can kind of see it a little if you like really strain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because after I saw Age of Ultron and I saw that romance, like, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the first Avengers again and like see if there's anything there. But... From what I have read about this, is that like this is something that I think Joss Whedon really wanted to do. Like, this is his creation. I don't think it's anywhere in the comics. You can correct me on that. Um, it's really not. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Joss Whedon was like really into it, um, which doesn't surprise me considering I think he's like he's very much a capital M male capital F feminist, you know, mm-hmm. in, yep. in the derogatory yep. way. So I think he was <laughs> yep. like, hey, I'll put my main female character in a romance. That'll be very feminist. Um, so, like, you can kind of see it. And, like, I love the chemistry between the two actors, Mark Ruffalo and Scarlett Johansson. And, you know, they're seen at the bar. Like, it's very 1940s again. Like, you know, she... Is straight out of like noir, you know, it's very femme fatale, but like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it is like in theory, I like when uh, comic book movies that are adaptations kind of take a big swing of something that's not in the comics. Yeah, comics are strange and weird, and continuity changes all the time. So, I'd say like embrace the weirdness, like, um, an X Men movie saying, you know, Professor X and Mystique are brother and sister now, like, sure. I'm down, like, it makes no sense, but go for it. Yeah, So, yeah. you know, I don't need it, like, Black Widow and Hulk to, to be a couple in the comics to be invested in this, but it just was absolutely botched on screen. It just, you know, it's, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, it's, 
again, such a Joss Whedon thing to be like, oh, it's like Beauty and the Beast. And it's like, well, that's kind of condescending to Black Widow, you know, the only girl on the team. She's beauty. Right. She calms the savage beast. It's like, oh, really? You know? The funny thing about that is like how much, um, like how much that gets completely like undone by the Russo brothers. <laughs> You know? Which which is fine. It was yeah, yeah but like, nothing of value was lost. And there's but there's like so there's like maybe like two or three moments that are like so awkward because like um, they like kind of bring it up and then kind of not and it's like a little like look and stuff. And then I love how Taika Waititi deals with it and that like he makes it into a big joke and like I was telling some other friend of mine that I'm like as weird and awkward as the Black Widow Hulk romance is like it gave us the best running joke in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, like I I love that part of it. I think that's hilarious. That but it's just so weird, yeah. Considering they like I mean Hulk is off, you know, as soon as Age of Ultron ends, he's off on his own thing and doesn't come back until you know, a couple years later in Thor Ragnarok and so it's just yeah, it's very weird. Um, but I definitely do want to talk about Wonder Woman um, because, you know, with her being, like, kind of the first... Well, I mean, she's not the first in the modern era of, you know, superhero movies, like, the first female superhero, but, like, you know, she's the first, like, major one in, in this, you know, post-MCU world, I guess. Um, and I love the romantic plot line in Wonder Woman with her and Steve Trevor, and I think... They do such a great job of making them, like, equals in this relationship while still making her, like, the hero. And they, like, revert... I mean, it's it's such a reverse of... Like, a um, flip gender reverse of the um, Lois Lane Superman stuff. Like, to me, like, I mean, uh, Patty Jenkins saying over and over that she was inspired by the 1970s Superman movie is so clear and the inspiration there is so well done because she just flips it in such a beautiful way that it works so well without being like you know awkward or condescending or weird yeah like steve trevor is a character that it would be very easy to make him very mansplainy um you know very kind of patriarchal so i think they really did a good job of like you said establish that establishing them as like equals as people who are very interested in each other and fascinated by their two different worlds and you know re- again really good chemistry which is hard to find between gal gadot and uh, chris pine yeah um yeah i mean like it's like because they kind of frame it as like a fish out of water type thing. Like he is kind of mansplainy, but like never in a way that feels. I mean, okay, I'll caveat with saying I'm not a woman, so who am I to say what feels inside? <laughs> or not? But like, I definitely didn't find it to be like he was patronizing to her or condescending to her. Like he, I mean, I think just because Chris Pine, you know, he's the best Chris. Like he just feels very respectful as a person. <laughs> So he just, like, has yeah. the energy of, like, someone who, like, cares about the people around him. So, like, when he, like, interacts with with uh, Wonder Woman, like, he has that, like, in awe look to him of, like, who is this goddess in, you know, in my midst? And, like, they both save each other. And he, like, every time he tries to, like, you know, pin her into, like, a box or tell her what to do, she just, like, really just kind of you know, defies him and just does what she needs to do. And he's like, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, this is what, you know, like, 
Yeah, I mean, and like they're, di- but it could also have been easy for him to be like the comic relief in the movie of like the bumbling kind of like nerdy whatever, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they could have yeah. gone, they could have gone that direction and like just like prop her up as like the hero. But they're both like so heroic and, um, and yeah, I mean it's so interesting of like they just really like considering she's like the first major female superhero in the. You know, and like, there's so much pressure to get this romance right because you don't want to make it too romantic because that's very like, you know, girls like romance thing. But we also don't want to like, I mean, Captain Marvel for all of its, you know, all of its virtues, and they didn't do a love story in that movie, um, which I found to be a, a choice. Like, I feel like they definitely didn't want to put one in there. So, um, I, I really appreciate the romantic angle in Warner Woman and really reminded me of Superman the movie. I think more so than any of the other Superman movies that have come, you know, over the last 50 years. Yeah, now that you say that, I can definitely see the, the connection between them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Patty Jenkins said that um, Captain America, the first Avenger, and Superman were the two major inspirations that she had. And I think you could definitely see those influences there. Um, so um, I did watch the Spider-Man trilogy. I was just going to watch the first one, but then you know, you just kind of get into it, and then I watched all three of them. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think about those movies? I don't, I, I don't know if you've seen them recently or if you enjoy those, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, overall, I'm a big fan of the original Spider-Man movies. Um, you know, there's a big asterisk next to Spider-Man 3. It's like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> but I really like them. I'm like sad that, you know, kind of Twitter seems to kind of be turning against them because they're so earnest and sincere in a way that's like not cool anymore. And also I'm really yeah. old and the movies are like 20 years old and I don't like to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I like them a lot. Um, I think Kristen or Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane is really interesting because while the movies get some things wrong, like it sucks that, you know, she's the damsel in distress at the end of every movie. Um, yeah, they still, yeah. they still take her seriously as a character in a way that a lot of superhero movies don't like we see that, you know, she comes from an abusive household. Um, there's a lot of focus on her pursuing her acting career. Like, you know, she has a life that's not related to, you know, being kidnapped by supervillains and how Peter Parker does or doesn't fit into that is a really interesting dynamic that a lot of superhero movies don't touch. They're just completely not interested in exploring. Yeah. So, you know, watching this movie with this lens of, you know, looking at the romance, I was so, I mean, I guess I just never thought of it, but like I was so impressed by how much these movies are about the romance in a way that like very few superhero movies are. Even Superman the movie, I think it's like, it's still a subplot, you know, in that movie. But in the Spider Man trilogy, like it's very much like the driving force of these movies to the point where I was like, um, I was just like almost shocked by like how much it really. Go, like goes into it and how much like I mean of course that like, the you know the famous line of the of these of the series you know great power responsibility whatever um, but like that line I think is more resonant when it you know when it comes to the ro- uh, romantic subplot because um, like 
this whole the whole trilogy is about this sort of like push and pull between you know Peter Parker's love for Mary Jane and his sense of duty towards you know being Spider Man and how much like it's like one to one like he'll be doing something for her and get distracted by this and by being a superhero or like he'll um, like one of my favorite scenes in Spider Man Two is like. Um, uh, like Mary Jane is with him at this like cafe and she you know like she's they're they're trying to figure out their relationship and Peter Parker is like he's like I don't know if I can be with you you know like whatever because like he had just given up being Spider-Man but then decided to go back to be to putting on the suit so he's essentially saying like I know I said I would change for you but I can't and I think Mary Jane subconsciously knows that he's Spider-Man and asks him to kiss her because she wants to see if it's the same kiss as she had with Spider-Man in the first movie. Right. And right, right there is about to kiss, okay? And I completely forgot the scene. Even, But as they're about to kiss, okay, like, the car, like, a car, like, bursts through the window. It's a very cool, very cool shot because it's, like, this, like, huge window and, like essentially, this car is just being thrown through the window, and um, and like I was like, this is just the perfect metaphor for like this relationship, which like they can't ever figure it out because there's always something going on, and um, and yeah, I definitely agree that like Mary Jane is like such a whole person, and like Spider Man Three, like that movie is very brutal because this poor girl goes through it in that movie, and yeah, like she and like. The thing is that, like, she gets, throughout the whole series, she gets kind of tossed around between, you know, Peter Parker is kind of hot and cold with her because, you know, his drama, and then, you know, Harry has his thing, you know, James Franco's character has his thing, and, but instead of feeling like a, like a prop in the, in this love triangle, like, the, it's very, it takes her seriously, it takes her feeling seriously, and, um, like, it's so much about her, like, this sort of emotional roller coaster that she's on all throughout this whole series. And um, I... Because I remember thinking before watching this movie, I mean, like, yeah, Kristen Dunn's a great actress. Like, I, I don't know the character from the books, but, like, she seemed like a good fit. And but thinking that, like, yeah, she's just a damsel in distress. Like, she doesn't really have much going on. Like, she's just kind of, like, the, like, the girl. But I think that... Like, while she is that, but she just has this, like, whole life to her. And, like, it's, like, there's so many scenes that are told from her perspective of, like, someone who's dealing with the fact that, like, I I guess, like, what I like about this trilogy is that it's very much about this relationship. And it's about, like, dealing with falling in love with someone who's a superhero and is, like, you know constantly distracted by something and you know but she's still like she's never made to feel guilty about needing the attention from peter or anything like it's never like well you know like there's crimes going on so i can't you know pay attention to you i don't i don't feel that way at all about any of these movies i mean um so i was just very very like surprised by how much the romance in all three of them were really prominent um compared to like you know a lesser 
superhero movie where it's like, you know, she's just the damsel at the end. Yeah, and that's interesting because romance is, I think, more baked into uh, the Spider-Man story than it is in a lot of other comic books. Like, um, a lot of the really early classic uh, Spider-Man comics were drawn by John Romita, who started out in romance comics. So when he took over the book, Mm. you know, it was, you know, Peter Parker, college student, torn between, you know, these two beautiful girls, Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane Watson. And was like, oh, no, I missed my date because I had to punch Dr. Octopus. So it did kind of have a sort of uh, Betty and Veronica and Archie dynamic built in. So even though, you know, we don't exactly get that dynamic in the movies, I think they understand that, like, Spider-Man is a love story. It's about, you know, him trying to find that balance between, you know, love and work, so to speak, and you know, power and responsibility. And so I think the movie does a very good job with that. And especially like the end of Spider-Man two, which is that, you know, big romantic Hollywood ending where she runs in the wedding dress and oh, my God. shows up in his apartment. I love it. I'm, you know, I'm a big softy at she, art. I mean, this movie is very fresh in my memory. So you'll forgive me quoting it, but like she says, like, isn't it time that someone saved your life? And I almost started crying. <laughs> It's so good. Kirsten Dunst is so good. She just gives the character such a gravity. Yeah. And like, I love, you know, I love the ending to that movie um, because they have this big kiss and he has to go and he flies off. And you think this movie is going to end with him kind of, you know, bouncing between or like swinging between the buildings and it's very exciting, you know, triumphant. Like he gets the girl and stuff, but it actually ends on her and she, um, she gives like a very like, look of like she's almost a little bewildered because she's like what did i just sign up for yeah it's it's the graduate ending it's the graduate ending you know i tweeted that (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah it's a graduate ending it's great and like that's and like i mean i also love the ending of spider-man one which is like you know she she confesses her love for him and it's everything he won he wanted to hear from her and he's like i can't be with you and he walks away from her in the graveyard and it's like, I mean, like, this is like, this is like the romance, you know, this is the kind of romantic ending you want to see in like a movie where it's like, these two people just can't be together. And, um, yeah, just so, it, yeah, it was, I thought it was really well done. And like to like have, to sort of bring it back to Superman, um, to, to like look at, you know, these two movies, you know, together, it's like one is like this very fan, like the fantasy of being in love with a superhero, which is like, you know, you got rescued and he's very charming and a little, a little cocky, a little like sexually aggressive in a way, and you know, um, but still like respectful. And then on the other hand, Spider Man, it's like, wow, it's actually like really intense because there's always something going on and you know misdates and you know you know you know women who admire him and men who are trying to kill him and stuff so it's interesting to think about these two dichotomy of like you know the you know fantasy versus reality um and uh yeah um i really enjoyed watching these movies again um do you have any um, final thoughts or anything you want to bring up from either Superman or any of the other superheroes you've been talking about? Um, 
I don't know. That's pretty thorough. If I could just like name drop my all time favorite superhero movie romance. Oh yes, please um, do. <laughs> you know, we don't have to. We don't have to go into a whole other uh, spiel about it. But I just um, Batman Returns, Michael Keaton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Batman and Catwoman. Oh God, no, let's let's talk about that actually, um, because like I completely like. Yeah, I totally forgot to mention those. Yeah, let, let's let, let's get into why you why that's your favorite. Um, yeah, I saw Batman Returns in the theaters, and I was a really young kid. Um, my mother was horrified. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I was you know I was a Tim Burton kid. I was I loved all that weird, creepy stuff. Um, yeah. But n- I just I'm still like really impressed by Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer together. Um, like Batman and Catwoman is again, a really classic iconic, uh, dynamic, you know, um, she's the anti-heroine, the cat burglar, he's the hero, you know, there's that push and pull. Um, but in Batman Return specifically, both of them are such like lonely weirdos. Yeah. It's really touching. Like, you just really want them to be together and, like, find some kind of inner peace. But, no, Christopher Walken and Danny DeVito are there being creeps. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, there's that fantastic scene where they both uh, go to the masquerade ball, but they're the only ones not wearing masks. And I just, I love it. I'm just like, oh, that's, that's so, it's so hot. dramatic and <laughs> yeah. fantastic and theatrical. And yeah. You know, I just love it every time. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, I love, like, those first, I mean, whatever, all four of those Batman movies I really like. Um, I know, like, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, like, you know, I know they're a little more controversial, I'll say, but, like, Batman Returns especially, I feel like, has this, like, weird, like, kind of, like, kinkiness to it. And oh, yeah. Again, it reminds me of like how much like there's like no like erotic tension in these modern movies because like nominally Batman Returns is for kids, but like it's like almost too risque for me. I'm like, I think I'm too young <laughs> to watch this. There's just so much like it's like that cat and mouse thing, right? Of like the tension, the like push and pull, the like seduction of it. It's very intense. Yeah. All the skin the tight latex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but I do love, um, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer's performance in that, of course, is iconic. Like, it's, I think, one of the best oh, yeah. superhero performances ever. Like, it's just like, she just has that, like, energy to her. I mean, she still has that energy to her, even to this day. Like, she could easily play Catwoman again now, and it would be, like, nothing, no time has passed. Yeah, <laughs> she and just, I like, would buy has that, that, like, cool look. Um, yeah, she's very cool and very, like, um, yeah, just the way she moves, like the way she uses her body in that movie is so intoxicating. Um, huge fan. I do want to give a shout out to my girl, um, Dr. Chase Meridian. <laughs> Who again, um, is another uh, female character who's really, really horny. <laughs> yeah, the, one of the best parts is like she basically uses a bat signal to call <laughs> a booty call. Yeah. I, I, like I, I, I like the hustle. Yeah, I mean, look, you gotta, you gotta use all your tools that you have at your disposal, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, and like even something like Vicky Vale, like she's very cool, um, and uh, 
I guess Uma Thurman and Batman and Robin is like they're I know they're trying to like recapture that Catwoman thing of making her like sexy and dangerous. It doesn't quite work, although I love Uma Thurman in that movie. Um, like many a gay do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's um, like yeah. a very different take on superhero sexuality that Yeah, it's is, very campy and like, But is fantastic. Yeah. It's like the kind of the I mean again, like I love the MCU. Like on like I didn't watch any of those specifically for this, um, because I just have seen those so many times. And same with Wonder Woman, like I've seen this movie so many times that like these like the romantic subplots are just like ingrained in my memory. But like when it, like when I was watching um, Superman the movie, I was just like, there's just, again, there's just like something missing, and like I really don't. I mean, we can go into the whole thing of like you know romantic comedies kind of being in a downslope, like going downhill in the last you know twenty years or fifteen years, and I think that's probably part of it, where it's just like romance just became like not a priority for modern movies. I think there's just like is when it gets to the next plot point, then when it gets to the next, right. you know, sequel um, setup, and there's just like not room for. But I think in a like a movie like Captain America: The First Avenger or Wonder Woman or you know even those few scenes in Avengers Endgame, I think that there's like well done. But you know, hopefully, Love and Thunder will give us those. Yes, please give us those uh, romance that that we want. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to bring up? I think I don't think I have anything else on this topic. Uh, I think that's really good. I think that's pretty thorough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Kaylee, thank you so so much. Where can people find you online? And please, like, where can people find this column? I'm going to read every entry. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Ronch Ronch Ronch. That's R-O-N-C-H because uh, when I actually say it out loud on podcasts, it sounds like a very different kind of Ronch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did not realize at the time I took that screen name. Um, And you can find The Wedding Issue on womenwriteaboutcomics.com with a lot of other comic pieces I've written. Great, yes. I cannot wait to read that. I will definitely... um... This episode will be going out in about a week or so, so when uh, when it goes out, I will link to, to some of those on online. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at themanish89. And please remember to follow the podcast at itpod2bu and rate, review, subscribe. Hope you'll find this show. And if you want to read, if you want to, if you send an review, I'll read it online. That'll be very exciting. I'll really appreciate that. Kaylee, I had such a great time chatting with you about this stuff. Thank you so, so much for doing this. And I, uh, yeah, really had a great time. (laughs) Yes, this was so much fun. Thank you. (laughs) And listeners, thanks so much for listening. Hope you're enjoying these sort of um, theme episodes. I plan to be doing them for a while. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Have a great, have a great week. Bye.